I gotta be honest, I'm a little surprised you came back for round two of the Insert Clever and Witty Name Here podcast, but I appreciate the fact that you did. I knew there was something I liked about you. Hey, it's Mike once again, and I'll tell you, I did go back and listen to last week's episode, the first ever, a pilot episode, if you will, of the Insert Clever and Witty Name Here podcast. <sighs> yeah, it was a little um, <clears throat> boring, I think is the word I'd use. There was me. And then a little bit more me, and then a lot more me, and a whole bunch, way, way too much of me at the end. Now, it's still just me, and I can't change that, unfortunately. You're, you're stuck with me. But what you do have this week, well, not a big, slick, produced open, obviously, because we've already started this thing. And we don't have music beds underneath, well, me, to break up the sound of me and create a mood because, well, artists who create those beds want to get paid, understandably so. And we, we have no budget for that. But what we do have is our host, which is Podomatic. And inside Podomatic, there's a recording booth. And inside that recording booth, we have sound effects. No, there's no one actually here clapping. I mean, why would that? Because I've done nothing yet. But I do have the sound of applause, and I can hit it whenever I want to make it sound like I'm getting a standing ovation, which I'm not, and I haven't deserved. Or do you think I deserve a standing ovation? No, I didn't think so. And there's a whole bunch of sound effects in here, which, well, hopefully, well, this one won't be appropriate. At least I hope not, nor will this one be. So, that's changed a little bit. Some minor production value elements, which I'm hoping will add a little something to what's going on. Yeah, it's, they just don't stop. I'll throw in a couple here and there just to kind of break up the sound of my own voice every once in a while. So that will change. Also, I did notice in going back and listening that there was no structure. And while I want to keep a certain aspect of that, Shakespeare, who invented the drama, and the three-part drama as well, of course, done to perfection by George Lucas with the original trilogy for Star Wars. Things work better in threes. That's why a tripod is so popular. The pyramid, they say, is the strongest shape. So that having been said, I want to kind of break these down, at least until I tire of doing it this way, into three segments every single week. One, just kind of talk a little bit about maybe things that have been going on in my life, maybe some things I've talked about on my mornings with Mike Pesto on my 97.5, but not really flushed out all that much. Uh, second, a couple other things that I have brought up on the show, things that have nothing to do with me, but some things I have opinions on. And then at the end, really get to the heart of what I want to spend the bulk of our time talking about this week. It's vaccinations. And the fact that I am actually getting a COVID-19 vaccination tomorrow. Uh, this will be Tuesday, the 23rd, depending on when you listen to this. So starting off, and we'll get to that last, obviously, something that came up this past week, Friday, actually, Abe Lincoln, who I actually went to school with, not the Abe Lincoln, I'm not that old, but Abe Lincoln is his name. Um, the school that I went to um, celebrated, um, I forget which anniversary of graduation date we had most recently. I graduated from high school in 1988. But uh, with the lockdowns and everything else, a lot of schools not able to have class reunions. And I don't know if that was the catalyst for it, but Abe decided on a Facebook page for our high school to start doing Zoom Q&As with everyone. Just kind of catch up, find out how things are going, how you're dealing with the lockdowns, 
Um, how was your birthday milestones, which we all seem to have recently, either last year or the year before, depending on how old everyone happens to be. And it just so happened it was my turn up in the rotation. I actually sat down with Abe and did a Zoom Q&A with him, I want to say December, but took some editing because, again, it was a lot of me talking, and cut that down to about 17 minutes or so. And it aired on that Facebook channel just this past Friday. Every Friday, he has a brand new episode that pops up. And in going through that, I got really nostalgic and went back and looked at old yearbooks and read comments that were in there and thought about people I haven't thought about in years. And much to the dismay of my kids also got very nostalgic in the music that I listened to back then, which I was huge into the alternative scene. Um, Depeche Mode was one of my favorite groups at the time. And I was huge into them and huge into Oingo Boingo and Pet Shop Boys and New Order. And I mean, the list goes on and on and on with that type of sound. One of the best concerts I ever went to was at Shoreline Amphitheater in Mountain View. That wasn't anyone knocking, by the way. That was me accidentally hitting the console and it wasn't a sound effect. Do I have a knocking sound effect? I'm not even sure if I do. Do I? No. Okay. So I don't. So I apologize for the knocking on the console here. <laughs> But one of the best concerts I ever went to was at Shoreline Amphitheater in Mountain View. I saw it was New Order as the headliner and then PIL, Public Image Limited, I think is the acronym. They were the opening group. And then the Sugar Cubes. Do you remember the Sugar Cubes? They were the middle act. Um, and Bjork actually came out of them. She was... Well, the only one that really sang in the group. There was another guy in there, kind of like the B-52s, if you remember them. The same kind of dynamic. You had a great female singer, then a guy who kind of talked his way through the songs. Sugar Cubes kind of had the same thing going. But I really got into that music again. So, And I did this once before a couple of years or so ago. I just started blasting old music that I grew up with, a lot of Depeche Mode, and especially the album uh, Some Great Reward. And I was getting nostalgic with a couple of my friends from high school on that high school page after they all saw my Q&A with Abe. Did I say saw or saw? I'm not sure. Again, I'll take care of this in post. <laughs> Which, again, there's no post because, again, this is the stripped-down version. But... I was commenting with them about some of my favorite albums and they love the same things. And I, I kind of had a feeling. I don't know if I explained this last week. I did in the sit down with Abe that and I wouldn't recommend this for anybody. Any parents that have kids in high school, I would not recommend a major move halfway through your child's high school experience. I went to high school for two years at a Catholic high school in Woodstock, Illinois. Coincidentally enough, well, actually, it's not even a coincidence. It's just, interestingly enough, the uh, same town, Woodstock, Illinois, was where the movie Groundhog Day was shot almost exclusively. That town square, that wasn't Puxitani, PA. That was the actual town square in Woodstock, Illinois. It wasn't a back lot. That town square still exists with the brick streets and everything. And it's actually within walking distance of the high school I went to, Marion Central Catholic High School. And I went there for my freshman and sophomore year. And then my dad 
decided to leave a company that he was with for years and go back to another company that he worked for. And that company wanted to set up a branch, new office, and he they wanted him to spearhead it in, of all places, California. At that point, the furthest west I've ever been was Oklahoma. That was it. And I, <laughs> I remember flying into San Jose is where I touched down in California for the very first time. I left Chicago Midway Airport, flew into San Jose. And I remember seeing the palm trees, which I expected every tree in California to be a palm tree. That's that's the perception of those who weren't born and raised in California. The perception of California is every single tree is a palm tree. And back then, because you have to remember, Back to the Future was huge at that point. Everyone who doesn't drive gets around on a skateboard. That is what Californians are. So I saw palm trees, but then I saw other trees too. And (laughs) I actually said this out loud. As we're touching down, we're flying over neighborhoods and I see intersections and I see stoplights at those intersections. And I actually said out loud, I think the person sitting next to me heard me. I said, they have stoplights in California? (laughs) I don't know what I was expecting. But California is quite simply a state of mind. But after moving to California, after my jun- after my freshman and sophomore year, I had my junior and senior year at a high school in Salinas, California. And again, I would not recommend to anyone moving your child halfway through the high school experience. There were people who kind of knew me because of the way I dressed and my hairstyle which I have black hair, if you don't know, uh, slightly graying at this point. But at one point, it was actually the summer between my junior and senior year, apparently I wasn't getting enough attention. And, and why would I? Because I was the new kid in school and everyone already had their cliques and everything else. Keep in mind, this is when the series Square Pegs was huge. I was definitely a square peg in a round school. So to get attention, what uh, I had decided to do, and keep in mind, this was also a Catholic school, so I have no idea how I got away with this, is with my black hair, I had a blonde stripe of hair straight down the middle. It was like a colored mohawk. It wasn't styled any differently. It was just blonde down the middle. I'll be honest, I looked like a skunk. It wasn't white, but it was blonde. Um, And again, I have no idea how the school let me get away with it. And that's how I got my attention (laughs) again, my senior year of high school. But in reading some of the comments on the post from the high school that Abe posted that video to, that's what I was most remembered for was, ah, yeah, yeah, I remember you. You had the hair. Yeah, I had the hair and a 67 Mustang at the time, too. So that was a lot of fun for me. But again, not so much for the kids because I took them down memory lane with every song. There's a couple songs, at least they said they didn't mind all that much. What they did mind, however, again, feeling nostalgic, is I don't know if you remember uh, the Banana Splits. They were a Hanna-Barbera creation. It was basically if you took, if you remember the, the Monkees TV show, if you took all four members of the Monkees and put them in like mascot outfits. Like one of the characters was a beagle. The other one was an elephant. There was a lion and I think a monkey, but all in these oversized mascot outfits. And they pretended to play instruments and they ran cartoons. And so I went back with the kids and watched the pilot episode of the Banana Split Show. 
which if you remember anything at all about it, it was ba la 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 la. And hopefully I won't get dinged on this. I don't own the rights to any of the music I'm partially singing. Fa la 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 la. And the cool thing is a lot of it was shot at King's Island in Ohio, which is a theme park I also went to at one point. The kids didn't like that part of it too much. The music, not so much as far as minding, but yeah, that aspect of it, they weren't big fans <laughs> at all. Uh, and if you weren't a big fan of the banana splits, I apologize. Uh, and I'll move on to something else completely different. I just wanted to share that little trip down memory lane with you. And I'm sure my kids will have no interest in going down that street ever again. But a couple of things that, that did come up on the show today, I wanted to bring up with you. Uh, the first is the study that came out from what institution did this? The American Psychological Association actually published this. It was a study that was done with, I think, 3,000 people over the course of three years. And they identified earwig songs. You know, the songs that get stuck in your head and for the life of you, you just can't get them out of your dome. And they identified nine songs. Three of them are Lady Gaga songs. I'll give you the top five. And tell me, be honest, if any of these five songs have ever gotten stuck in your head, like you're sitting there at your desk, plugging away, and suddenly you start either humming or singing out loud, or it just bounces around in your dome. Number five, Maroon 5, Moves Like Jagger, the fifth most popular ever earwig song. Number four on their list, and this one does get get stuck in my head every once in a while because it's a song that we actually play on my 97.5, Gautier and Kimbra, somebody that I used to know. Number three on the list, actually just, I want to say last week or maybe the week before, became only the second song ever on Spotify with a billion, that's with a B, billion listens on Spotify the other one being Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. Journey, Don't Stop Believing, was actually number three on the list, which, again, that song gets stuck in my head whenever we play it. And then I realize I can't sing anything like Steve Perry. Kylie Minogue, remember her? Yeah, Kylie Minogue had a song on the list. Uh, at number two, Can't Get You Out of My Head. And, again, because I have sound effects, I might as well use them. And number one, the number one earwig song of all time, Lady Gaga and Bad Romance. Yeah, and I'm sure she appreciates the applause, digital as they may be. I'm a little surprised, and I was talking about this with Jennifer Grant, who does the Midday Show after I finish up on the air on my 97.5 that there are no kids' songs on this list. I was incredibly surprised. And if you have younger kids, I would say maybe 10 or younger. Baby shark, do-do-do-do-do-do, baby shark. Yes. And if your kids are listening to this right now, I apologize because they will start singing and that will get stuck in your head for the rest of the month. If not longer. Yeah, that really should have been, honestly, the uh, the number one earwig song of all time. But they went with Lady Gaga and Bad Romance. So if you want to look it up, if you just do a search on Yahoo, Google, whatever your favorite search engine happens to be, um, these are the nine biggest earworm songs. It was a story that I came across from NBC New York. So 
that's enough of that because I don't want any of that stuck in your head for longer than it needs to be. The other thing that I talked about this morning was Monopoly. For the first time in 85 years, and there have been so many different incarnations of Monopoly. If you live in any city that has a population of 100,000 or more, chances are if you look on Amazon or if that town has a, a tourism office, you can find Monopoly your town. I mean, there's one for Fresno. I don't know if there's one for Visalia. There's one for Peoria, another city I used to live in. So they've changed that aspect and they've changed the uh, the pieces. Now they're changing something else. Monopoly wants your help in updating its community chest cards. For the first time in 85 years since the game came out, Monopoly is going to have updated community chess cards. Now, what they're asking everyone to do is go to monopolycommunitychest.com. So all one word, monopolycommunitychest.com. And then there, you don't come up with your own. Apparently, they have writers who have already written some. And you can vote on the ones that you want to keep. All right, so let's just go through this. There's 16 cards at a time you can choose between. So this is almost like a swipe left or right, but you just vote for one or the other. So these are collect $100 cards. You have, you set aside time every week to hang out with your elderly neighbor. You've heard some amazing stories, collect $100, or you volunteer to run the social media accounts for a nonprofit art center, and you meet some pretty talented people, collect $100. I'm going to vote for that one. So you vote, and then you get another option. So we'll do a couple of these. This one, you collect $200. One, you find a wallet on the sidewalk and decide not to return it. Oh, I take it back. This is a go-to-jail card. <laughs> so let me read it again now that you get that and I get that. So go to jail. Go directly to jail. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Again, number one, you find a wallet on the sidewalk and decide not to return it or... Blasting music late at night, your neighbors do not approve. I'm going to go with that one. All right, so I have voted, and we'll do a couple more of these. This one, it is a collect $100. You volunteer as a homework helper, and you learn some stuff, too, or you spend the day play, playing games with kids at a local children's hospital. Oh, see, I like that one, so we'll do that one. We'll do one more here. This is, oh, you have to pay $50 on this one. You didn't shop local. Pay $50. Oh, shame on you. Or you buy a few bags of cookies from that school bake sale. Yum. Well, let's get you in trouble for not shopping local. So I'll vote for that one. So again, if you want to do this, and maybe they'll end up going with the ones that you vote for, and then again, maybe they won't. If you go to monopolycommunitychest.com, and it's the Community Chest Challenge. And does not say on here when the change will be made, but I'm guessing at some point this year they'll announce that they have all the votes in and new cards will be printed and they'll be a part of the next Monopoly game. So there you go with that. Which gets us to Act 3 uh, this week with the Insert Clever and Witty Name Here podcast. I want to spend the rest of our time, the bulk of our time, probably talking about the COVID-19 vaccinations and all the things that you've seen on Facebook 
from friends of yours coming out of the woodwork telling you that you have to get the vaccine because, and then let the whole laundry list of reasons commence after that. Or you had better not get the vaccine because there's dead baby cells in there. First of all, I bring that one up specifically because I posted something on my own Facebook page about thinking about getting vaccinated a week or so ago. And someone first post, first post that went up on my page was, well, you know, be careful because, you know, there are dead baby cells in there. Here's the thing. If you have a smartphone, and most of us do now, or if you have Google Home Mini at home, or Alexa, or I don't know, just have a computer and have access to a search engine, whether Yahoo happens to be your favorite or Google, do just do a search. Just ask the question of whatever internet browser you use, like, respect. Are there dead baby cells in any of the vaccines? Just simple, straightforward, non-leading one way or the other. And as far as from factual websites, you will see it's BS. I don't know where that came from, but it's a thought that's out there, obviously, with some. I don't know how many, but so that's out there. And then there's the whole microchip thing that you see pop up on Facebook in particular every once in a while. I'm not going to let Bill Gates put a microchip in my arm. (sighs) Listen, if you have a cell phone, going back to smartphones, they don't need to put a microchip in your arm. You're carrying one. If the government, and I've got news for you, it's not the government that's ever going to do this. I don't think, because there's so many laws against the government doing anything. It's going to be business. Business tracks your every single move. Why do you think it is, especially on Yahoo, if you do a search, say, of tires? You blew a tire. You need to check out some tires. You do a search on tires. You're checking out tires, and you almost buy tires. And you're thinking, oh, maybe do another search. You go on Yahoo.com, and suddenly, on some of the pages as you scroll down, hey, looking for tires? Heard you might be looking for tires. How did they know? Because they're tracking your every move. And I would imagine it wouldn't be too much of a stretch to say if you're they're tracking what you're doing online, they're probably tracking where you actually are too and tying that into what you're buying with your credit card and all that. And they're taking that information and they're selling it to advertisers so they can do more targeted advertising so that they can make more money. That's what it's come down to. Everyone talks about the George Wellian atmosphere in the country right now, that it's big brother. Well, I agree with them to a point, but for the most part, everyone seems to think that it's the government is big brother. No, it's big business. It's Silicon Valley. They're the ones that have their hands in everything you do and their eyes up your wazoo, knowing when you're taking a leak knowing when you're in bed, knowing who you're in bed with. So Bill Gates is not putting a microchip in your arm because he doesn't need to. If you've got a Google smartphone or an iPhone or whatever type of smart device you have, you're voluntarily carrying a microchip with you every single moment of your day. I've got mine with me right now. And heck, when I was doing the whole Monopoly challenge thing a moment ago, I was just reading that right off of the, uh, the iPhone.
And I know they had the technology to listen in. In fact, what was the story that came out a few years ago that said you should always make sure that the camera on your phone is down so that just in case they happen to turn your camera on, I'm sure they have the ability to do so. It's just the honor system that they won't. Here's the thing, though. With a lot of the smartphones now, there's a front-facing camera and a rear-facing camera. So how do you know which way is down? So you have to put your phone down and then take something and put it over that? (laughs) But everyone seems to think or forget about that when they're talking about Big Brother, the government, getting in your business. It's not the government. It is business that's doing it, if it's being done at all. And I wouldn't be shocked if it is, but you buy into it in buying the smartphones. It's a trade-off of a certain level of your privacy. So that was another argument that got thrown out with the whole vaccine thing. For me, it came down to something very simple. And I used this analogy with a friend of mine who was, we had a great conversation. Uh, He responded to that post that I saw. And whenever it's someone that I truly do care about, or I can tell the conversation's going south quickly, uh, I'll message that person on Facebook. So it's just the two of us seeing the conversation. Or if it's someone that I know well enough and I have their cell phone, I'll text them or I'll call them. Say, hey, you know, I I saw where the conversation was going on Facebook. Let's just, let's let's just you and I talk without, without the, everyone seeing our posts because I'm convinced on Facebook far too often people may be saying how they feel, but they ratchet it up a bit because they're playing to the crowd on Facebook and they're trying to get the reaction. I mean, how many times have you seen posts on Facebook? If I haven't upset you today, I'm not doing my job or I'm just saying half this stuff to get a rise out of you. I'm sure we all have friends who do that. And I think we all can be guilty of that from time to time. I am the first to admit I will in seeing friends of mine's posts and then commenting and then get, but when it starts getting out of hand, that's when again, either DM PM or actually straight up call someone and say, Hey, let's, let's talk about it. So a friend of mine commented with that post about me wanting to get the vaccine and was talking with me about it. I said, let me put it to you this way. When your car breaks down, what do you do? Well, I call the mechanic and I bring it in. Okay. Uh, When your tooth starts hurting or to the point that, you know, there's nothing that you can do over the counter to resolve it. Well, you, you go to the dentist. Cool. So if you take your car to the mechanic, a professional, when it needs professional service, if you bring your mouth to the dentist, when your mouth needs professional service, why would you go on Facebook Instagram, Twitter, any of the socials to ask about getting a vaccine shot. Why wouldn't you ask your doctor? And if you don't have a primary care physician, um, talk to a doctor you would respect, you know, whether it be by reputation, check with friends of your, I, I guarantee if you don't have a primary care physician or know of a doctor or anyone in your family has medical experience that you would trust, chances are a friend of yours does or another family member of yours does. Someone that you respect has someone in their lives they respect to find out about if you should get the vaccine. Ideally, it's your primary care physician because your primary care physician knows your history. 
And they also know what this vaccine is all about. So they may look at the vaccine and what is in it and how it was developed. And then knowing your medical history, say, you know what? Yeah, I would, um, I would hold off. If I were you, I would, I would definitely hold off a while. I, I, the ones that are out right now, I, I, for me personally, I would wait. If that's what your doctor tells you, you know what? I've got nothing to say because a professional who knows a hell of a lot more about this than I do has spoken. And I would go with what they have to say. So I checked with my doctor. I checked with two doctors when I first got my COVID-19 diagnosis. And yes, I have had COVID-19. For me personally, it was not as bad as valley fever. My fever peaked with valley fever at about 105. I had some hallucinations with that like you wouldn't believe. I, I, <laughs> I kept on telling my wife because I was supposed to go golfing with my dad that day. It was about 10 years or so ago, maybe 11 years or so ago, right before I moved here to the Valley. I was supposed to go golfing with my dad and I woke up that morning and I had cold sweats and I was hallucinating. And I kept on saying, apparently, I don't remember this. I don't want to go golfing today. I don't want to go golfing. They took me to the emergency room and yeah, fever 105, determined I had Valley fever, brought it down. And a couple of days later, I was fine. This was not quite as bad but it was worse than any cold I'd ever gotten. I had a fever of 103 and bone shaking chills. Like you would not believe. I'm not a big fan of taking hot, scalding hot showers. Like you can't even see the shower head. There's so much steam. I took one of those showers and I was still cold and bundled up in long underwear, sweatpants, uh, t-shirt, sweatshirt, and then up to my neck with the blanket the first night. This was a Sunday several months ago. By the time Wednesday rolled around, I was finally feeling up to actually doing my show once again on my 97.5 and actually did so for the next week and a half from the same makeshift studio that I'm in right now for this podcast. So I've been through it. I don't want to go through it again. And what was worse for me was my son got it. And I, mean, I don't know for certain, but I got to think I gave it to him. I probably gave it to him when I was asymptomatic, walking around the house, giving him hugs and kisses like I normally would. And he got it. As a father, I consider it my duty, my responsibility to take care of my kids and for two plus weeks there, I did take care of my kids. I did protect my kids, but I protected my kids from me. And obviously I didn't do a very good job protecting my son because he got it. And my heart sank when I found out that he had it. And I knew that more than likely I gave it to him. It was nice having him in bed with me. We watched movies and caught up on every single Marvel anything at that point. But I was worried because I knew it was a long shot. But there was the possibility that he could have been one of those kids that this really hits hard. And we could have ended up in the hospital with him or worse. And thank God it never came to that. But 
there's not a day that went by, not a moment that went by that whole time that I was checking his temperature every 20 minutes, it seemed. And he had, as it turned out, a much less severe case of it than I did. His fever, I think, peaked out at 102, 109.8, somewhere in that neighborhood. But then you keep on hearing about the residual sound, uh, re residual effects. And I've had one with that. I, I tire much more easily now than I did previously. Then again, a friend of mine reminded me that I'm much older <laughs> now than I was a few months or so ago. But that um, that's a concern as well. And not so much for me. I, I was never worried about me with this whole thing. I was worried about others because I take pretty good care of myself. I don't hit the gym, but uh, I got an Apple watch and I try to make sure I close all three of my circles every day, which includes making sure I stand 12 hours a day, making sure that I get 30 minutes of exercise and making sure that my move ring closes. still don't know exactly how Apple calibrates that one, but uh, I got to get that closed every single day. And I do. One way or the other, there are times I will literally grab the jump rope if I know I've got to close two of my th three rings before I go to bed and I'm jumping rope <laughs> there in the bedroom just so I can close my rings. So I wasn't worried about me. I was worried and still am about getting this and giving it to someone else who is not as fortunate as I am. And the argument that I keep hearing with it is, well, it seems to only be affecting people with underlying conditions, and I don't have any. For those who don't know, I was diagnosed after two strokes. I had two strokes. Um, one several years ago, which basically, um, I want to say it was my left-hand side. It's been a while. Everything from my elbow to the tips of my fingers went numb. Kind of like when you hit your funny bone, but I hadn't hit it. It just, bam, it just went numb and tingly and just felt weird for several hours after that. And I went to the emergency room and they ran tests and they thought and determined that it was a, a, a TI. I think it's what it's called. Basically, a TI basically means it's a stroke that we can't explain. Don't worry about it. <laughs> okay. Sure. Uh, and I take it back. It was my right-hand side, now that I remember. Because several years later, and this happened late last year, same thing happened. But this time it happened to the entire right side of my body. I was standing on a tile floor in front of my wife and my daughter. And I got lightheaded for a second. And I stumbled backwards. And at that same time that side of my body went limp and I crashed onto the tile. Thank God I didn't bang my head. And I didn't say anything as I was lying there for fear that, because I, I immediately thought I just had a stroke. I was cognizant and aware and conscious the whole time, but I was also conscious enough not to say anything, knowing my daughter was right there. I didn't want her to freak out because I thought for sure if I try to say anything right now, I'm going to be slurring and she's going to get worried for daddy like she wasn't already. So at that point, I'm like, okay, I got to get some tests done. So they ran a test on my heart. And it turns out, and I forget what the name of the condition is, 
but we're all born with this tiny little hole between two of the membranes in our heart. That hole allows you to get oxygen into your lungs through your mother. Your heart isn't actually doing that work at that point. However, the second you're born, 80% of us, when we take that, that first huge breath of air, that little hole closes forever. And it eventually just seals shut and it's no problem. With 20% of us, and guess who's at the 20%, either that hole stays open or it opens periodically. There are varying degrees of failure with that hole closure. I don't know what degree closure mine is. I also found out through this whole experience that you get blood clots a lot more often than you think you do. Your, your body's able to handle them for the most part. Well, on at least two occasions... Apparently what happened is a blood clot went into my heart at the same moment that hole was open and a blood clot went through that hole and ended up going to my brain. And also turns out that both times that happened, it went to the same part of my brain. First time wasn't quite as severe. Again, it was just the tingling from my elbow to my fingers. The second time it was much more severe. It was the entire half of my body. I did not want to see what a third episode was going to look like. So... Last year, I went to Cedar sinai and they performed a very easy procedure. In fact, it was outpatient. I had outpatient heart surgery where through a, a vein in my leg near my groin, they went in with this device that went through the hole and then deployed a little disc. And then the device was pulled back to lie flat against that membrane. And then a second disc was deployed on the other side and they were tightened up. And then I was given some medication to basically instruct the heart to start building tissue around that device so that my heart thinks it's all heart. And there've been no complications and no strokes since, but I would say that qualifies as an underlying condition, wouldn't you? It's an underlying condition I didn't know about until I had a second stroke. I would venture to guess most of us have underlying health conditions that we have no idea about. Do you want to find out that you have one because you get COVID-19 and you go into the doctor and they says, yeah, uh, you have it. And it looks like it's affecting your lungs because do you know you have a respiratory disease? So... To say you're in the free and clear because you have no underlying health conditions, you are unaware of any underlying health conditions you may have. I'll grant you that. So that has been what I've been dealing with in making the decision to get vaccinated. I am going in tomorrow, the 23rd, to uh, Save Mart actually here locally. Um, they are doing vaccinations. There's several different places here in the South Valley where you can check and see if you can meet the criteria. And I do at this point. So I am going in and I'm getting, and I have no idea which round. I'm, I'm hoping it's the Johnson and Johnson because from the research that I've done, and again, I have done research on this. Um, when I was first diagnosed with COVID-19, I asked the doctor at that point in the quick care center, I said, so 
I, I have this now and I will go home and I'll isolate and quarantine and all that. But there's talk of the vaccine. Should I get a vaccine? I couldn't even finish the question. And the doctor said, yes. Oh, yeah. As soon as the vaccine is available, you should go in and get it. Now, this is a doctor I didn't know. So I checked with my primary care physician who knows a little bit more about my, my past and the fact that I have had a hernia. The fact that I have had shoulder surgery, I don't know what that would do to complicate it, but the more a medical professional knows, the more information they have to give you the best opinion. And they know about the vaccines. And my doctor told me, she said, yes, you should get the vaccine. Now, with the research that I've done, I'm hoping I get the Johnson & Johnson. Well, one, it's just a one shot. Two, they said that from the research they've done on that particular shot, that it seems to be incredibly effective for anyone who's had COVID-19. And there have been some friends of mine who have said, well, why do you even need the vaccination? You got it. So you have antibodies now. You're fine. I'm like, all right, COVID-19 is a virus. Like chickenpox uh, is a virus. Now, kids don't get chickenpox now because, well, if you get vaccinations for your kids, they get a shot. They won't get polio or measles or chicken pox or you know, the list goes on and on. They add more to it as they develop more serums for the vaccine. So God willing, neither one of my kids will ever get chicken pox. When I was growing up, I got chicken pox twice because I got a real mild case the first time. Second time, kicked my butt. So yeah, you can get it twice. My sister got chicken pox three times. Third time, nearly sent her to the hospital. So for anyone who thinks that if you get COVID-19 and you can't get it again, I would tend to want to say logically that makes sense if you had a very severe case of it and your body spent a ton of time trying to fight that thing off. Like anything else, the more challenging something is, the more likely it is you're going to remember that part of your life. Same thing goes for your body and your white blood cells. The more time, effort, and energy they spend battling a virus, the more they're going to recognize that virus next time. Now, my body did a fairly good job the first go around, so it may or may not remember what it took to beat that virus the first time. And when it comes back again, if it comes back again, it may take them a little while to remember. Hey, remember this guy? Remember what we did to beat this guy last time? Well, let's go ahead and do that again. Plus, there are the other variants that are out there too. And I don't know if I had, say, X variant. Does that mean I'm also going to be able to fight off Y and Z? Don't know. Don't want to find out. So that's why I'm getting vaccinated. I threw a post up on another Facebook post of mine not too long ago mentioning the fact that I was thinking about getting the vaccine. And again, I am now. But with that post, I said something I truly believe in. I said, I'm going to get this. And I'm not trying to convince anyone else to get it because I don't want you to listen to me. I mean, who the heck am I? I'm some guy that you listen to on the radio or who's guy, the guy whose podcast you, you check out every once in a while. So don't listen to anything I have to say. God's sake, don't ask people that you don't even know on Facebook. Don't ask family. Don't ask friends unless 
you have family or friends that happens to be a doctor or a nurse or a medical professional you trust, that's who you need to be asking about this. And if you dig in, you ask your doctor and they say, no, you shouldn't do it, then don't. Wait until I would keep checking with your doctor, especially with the new vaccines coming online. The AstraZeneca is the one they were talking about earlier today. So as different vaccines come online, I would check in with your doctor once a week or so and say, hey, um, just wondering if you still feel the same way you do about me not getting the vaccine because I don't want to get this. Heard Mike Pesto talk about it and it didn't sound all that fun to him. Doesn't sound all that fun to me either. So do your homework, but don't stop there. Ask medical professionals, ideally one that knows you and knows your medical history to find out if this is something you should do or not. And um, if you do happen to listen to my 97.5, I'm sure I'll talk a little bit about this, but you're getting the, um, the unabridged version, obviously. And I'll talk probably a lot more about this in next week's you know, round three of the insert clever and witty name here podcast and let you know how it felt, which dose I got. Is it the Moderna? Is it uh, the Johnson and Johnson? Whatever one that happens to be Pfizer is the other one that's out there right now. So don't, don't listen to anyone on Facebook when it comes to your health, your well-being, your life. Because when it comes right down to it, it's your life. And your life affects those closest to you, family, friends, whether they're friends and family that live with you or not. So check with those who know and take care of yourself because I want you around for the next podcast. I appreciate you listening. I appreciate with all the podcasts that are out there, you decide to listen to mine. And I will um, tell you how things go and give you another slice of me next week. Thanks for listening.